This week on the podcast, I talked to a dear friend of mine about entrepreneurship and his journey with mental health and how he has come to manage it and really thrive in his business and a lot of the lessons that he has learned along the way. This episode is a really great mental health issue episode because we really demystify what's going on and talk about a few essential things that we as people need to start talking about openly and honestly so we can normalize this. Welcome back to the Virtually Free Podcast. Today I have a very special guest because this is someone I know IRL or for all you people out there that don't know what that means, uh, in real life. And this is a friend that uh, I met a few years ago. And it, his name, this isn't his real name, this is his musician name, but his name is Basil Park. So welcome. Hello, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. I'm also super excited to chat with you because, I mean, you kind of know this, but um, I kind of got started in this industry, not because of you directly, but also because of you directly. So I for, will take it. <laughs> what? Sorry? And I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell the audience like a little backstory. So, um, and I'm going to do my best not to accidentally say your real name. So Basil <laughs> um, was friends with one of my roommates uh, when I lived in Ottawa. And we had moved back to the city at the same time, me and my roommate. And she, they, you, Basil and her got connected somehow. And we all went out for drinks. I tagged along and he was telling me about how he was, or in my understanding was like a contractor. And he went into small businesses in the city and helped with social media. And, and I mean, at that time, I didn't really understand what you did other than social media. And like, I don't even know if there was anything else, but I was like, you know what? I want to do that. And then like, what, two months later, we met up again. I was like, yeah, so I've done that now. And that's what I did. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, so thanks for showing me that that was possible. And uh, it's going to be great to chat with you a little bit. So we're going to talk about like mental health in the entrepreneur space because Basil, as I said, he's a musician, but uh, he's an entrepreneurial musician, as we just talked about right before we press record. So um, I'm going to shut up and let Basil talk. So Basil, why don't you tell us a little bit about your entrepreneur journey and your mu- musical journey? Um, well, I think a couple of months after we had kind of talked about what I was doing at that point, I promptly stopped doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you really took it up and went way further than I was ever going to like in that particular space. Um, but yeah, I went to I went to school for journalism. Um, I entered that in September of 2008. So great uh, economic move on my part. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yes, dying industry and in, uh, the beginning of the economic downturn. <laughs> so I did four years of schooling for that. And then after that, I worked as a community journalist for a little while. I worked uh, very briefly with Post Media, doing some tech reporting and some parliamentary reporting and stuff and swiftly realized that I did not like the environment of the newsroom. Um, and I didn't like sort of their, their economic prerogatives, which of course I should have realized were going to be a thing going into it. But when I decided to be a journalist at 18, I was like, I'm going to help people. I'm going to go <laughs> do good things, you know? Of course, yeah. <laughs> As you do, yeah. Um, so I promptly left the newsroom with like absolutely no plan. 
I went back to working in kitchens for a little bit while I tried to figure it out. And I was like, this doesn't pay very well. What I should do is I should become a private chef. And so I contacted, um, for those of your listeners who aren't familiar with Ottawa's geographical region. I would say 99%. Yeah. (laughs) There's sort of the city center and then to the east and the west and the south, it's all suburbs, like sprawling, giant house suburbs. Um, So I started sort of putting out feelers in those areas to get clients as a personal chef. And so I would go into people's houses, I would make them a little menu, I'd pick up all the groceries, I'd go to their house, I would cook it in their house, uh, like a full week of dinners, and I would either leave some stuff out or freeze some stuff or put some stuff in the fridge, like whatever it was. And I was doing that well enough that that was the entirety of my work for a period of time. While I was kind of trying to figure out what else I wanted to do, And so as I was doing that, I was like, well, what can I kind of do at home while I'm on downtime from this private chef gig that I have somehow like finagled my way into? Um, And that's when I started doing the promotional stuff for businesses. So I was doing social media. I was doing marketing. I was sort of building um, or contracting out really because I'm a terrible graphic designer. Um, the marketing materials, I was doing search engine optimization, but I found that I also really hated that. Um, so then I was like, all right, I'm just gonna like be a musician, which was another terrible economic choice, but it's worked out fairly well. Uh, so I started taking <laughs> yeah, I my- like, I just, I need to interrupt for a second. I feel like Please. no one, or maybe not no one, but a lot of people aren't like at the end of trying their entrepreneurial stuff. And he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna play music. And that's what I'm going to do because, you know, that'll work. Yeah. um, I don't think that it works for a lot of people. I think if you look at the the cross section of people that play music and people that make their livings off of it, it's very small. Um, So I started out just starting to do recording and performing and stuff, but obviously that doesn't pay very well. And to this day, it doesn't pay me very well. So I started working in music schools and then the pay there wasn't quite as good. So I decided to kind of start teaching privately. And that was where it started to take off a little bit because I got a sense of how you can do this in a way that pays better than working for a school, how you can sort of have a consistent income and have some income security and then start branching out into other areas. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting you talk about like the branching out and the try and the trial and error because that's a lot of what you see in my industry, especially in the virtual assistant space. Now, we're not moving; our skill set isn't changing as drastically as yours has, um, but it's you know you're, it's discovery mode. It's like okay, this is what I think will work right now, or this is what I want to do right now. It's and a lot of us aren't in the industry. I am, but some people aren't in there to like change the world and like they just want to live a really great life, make decent money and be home so their kids after school don't need to go to daycare or a babysitter or whatever. Like, yeah. And I think this discovery option is so terrifying for a lot of people because they want that comfort. Um, But it's really hard to get to that level without going through the discovery process because I mean, as like, you've tried so many things and I'm sure when you started cooking privately, you're like, yeah, this is something I could see myself doing for a long period of time. And then you're like, no, never mind. It was, um, it was more, it wasn't that I didn't enjoy it. 
it was more that there was a very small chance that I would be able to like maintain these contracts because they were contracts at the time mm -hmm. um, for like longer periods of time. So yeah, and that, started, makes that makes sense. Yeah, I started working at music schools, and these people were like sending their kids in every week for like a year. I was like, oh, okay, like this is clearly you can build these relationships and you can do this and sustain it and not have to worry about the constant churning mm -hmm. yeah which was helpful yeah absolutely and like with music i mean if everyone if anyone listening to this doesn't know how complicated it is like learning music is not like you do it for like a year and then you're done like it's a constant evolution and maybe they pick up new instruments or maybe they don't maybe they just go really advanced into the scale like i've played you know four or five six different inf instruments and I'm okay at all of them. I mean, I wouldn't try it now, but back in the day, uh, it's, it's a lot of work. So like, it makes sense that you're picking something like long-term, same thing with business, right? Like, and like, it takes a long time to develop. You're not going to just get to this place and all of a sudden you've arrived and you're good. Um, it's, it's a constant learning situation. So uh, that's really awesome. How was the transition though? Cause I could see, from a different perspective be like well like why all of a sudden are you going like private like what's that or were they more receptive to that like how did your clientele kind of uh take that news so there's there's sort of a a professional respect that has to happen um particularly when you're working with the school you can't just take the students that you have at that school yeah you know and you can't really um, the school I was working for at the time, it was kind of a bad deal because I was excluded from teaching within a certain geographic area of that school. Mm. Uh, so I was like, okay, so like part of Canada is out. Um, so I'm just going to go south and I'm going to go east and sort of start putting feelers out in that area. You do have a large network of people that understand that you're good at what you're doing and they're willing to pay you to do it and they see the value in it, which is great. So that's certainly helpful, but the the school that I was at effectively like started kind of failing, uh, largely as a result of me not putting my focus there as much. Um, I don't think that, the guy was a capable musician. I don't think he was much of a business owner. Doesn't surprise me, yeah. yeah. Business is uh, <laughs> so. It is, right? So that sort of my moving out and sort of teaching on my own sort of crumbled that business a little bit, which I don't really feel that bad for because he wasn't really paying me what I felt I was worth at that time. But it's also a matter of, I have no degree in this. I have no sort of formal training at all. I just kind of started picking it up when I got to university. So for a professional musician, like 18 is very late to start oh yeah super late when i remember when you first told me that i was like wait what like you only started to learn then like that's so old in that industry it is old and like now at like 29 i'm like starting to take piano more seriously like an insane person like the there are just people that have 24 years head start on me but that comes down to a lot of kind of the way that i approach running the the business that i run which is like, am I in this to be like the best person in the world at it? Like, no, it's like you were saying, I love the self-direction of it. I love the fact that I'm constantly learning things. Like I teach piano for beginners, but I also have a piano teacher. Like 
there's such a there's such a scale and there's so many places that you can be within that that you can really carve out kind of a niche wherever you feel comfortable or increase that span of what you can do regardless of where you want to focus right yeah and i okay i'm just gonna this is like a huge well it's not that big of a grasp but like I like that you say that because it's the same thing with like coaching and like in business too, because it's so huge. Like you could be uh, teaching someone how to do like what you like SEO, like that's part of marketing, or you could be teaching them how to like effectively have a sales call, or you could be coaching them on their mindset. Like there's so many different intricacies of these industries that you, or just in your case, just like piano itself that you can fit into it well maybe not regardless of your entire skill level but like as long as it's more advanced than like the basic level yeah precisely i mean if i'm being honest i taught myself how to play piano by teaching piano the first (laughs) the first student i ever had they're like this is a five-year-old they want to play piano do you feel comfortable doing that i was like yeah i'm pretty sure i can interpret these books better than this child (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, i don't do that as much anymore i don't teach as close to my technical ceiling as i once did (laughs) um but that sort of uh again touching on that sort of broad spectrum uh the instruments i teach are guitar bass drums keyboard ukulele like there's probably a couple in there i have a recorder student you know um (laughs) so I have sort of staked my claim on being a generalist. And what that means is that I'm not outstanding at any of them. But it also increases the amount of people that can come to me for what they're looking for. And see, that's so funny because like in my industry, we we teach the other thing. We don't want that to happen. Uh, We don't want them to be like, okay, like come for us for everything because we aren't exceptional at everything or we aren't like great at everything. We're like good at one or two or three, and then we're like mediocre in the others. Um, I mean, it's totally different, obviously. Like it's very different doing technical, like backend, like click funnels work versus like teaching different notes of piano and uh, bass and guitar. Like it's much more similarities in that industry. But um, we're gonna talk about this forever. So I'm gonna interrupt for a sec. We're gonna change gears a tiny bit. And we're gonna talk about uh, mental health in business and how it's, helped you, prohibited you, all that stuff. So um, I always like to put, when we talk about this topic, I always like to put my my ex or my my guests at ease uh, by sharing my story. So Paul knows me and he knows a little bit about my history and you guys do as well. But in a very short sentence, I've suffered with depression, anxiety for a very, very, very long time, both very high functioning, uh, although I have my moments. Um, And it's been a constant struggle for me and in my business because you're being hit with a lot more obstacles that other people that don't have mental health issues or whatever you want to call it uh, have to deal with as as on as big a scale. So um, what I would love, Basil, for you to share with the audience is like, what's your experience like with your mental health in your business and where has it kind of helped you and uh, prohibited you in any of the spaces or has it? It's definitely been a little of both. It's definitely was more of a hindrance in the beginning um, because not surprisingly, like I said, I have no credentials aside from what I am doing as a performing musician, right? So in the beginning, it was a lot of like living in unfinished basements and going to food banks and that sort of thing. 
in order to get by, which absolutely exacerbates whatever else you are kind of dealing with at the time. I definitely, in my earlier life, um, I say this as a 29 year old, I'm not quite over the hill just yet, but from about puberty to like my early 20s was very much struggling with depression and I had a lot of sadness and I had a lot of anger. And then I, I say I got lucky. It was very much um, a self-directed attempt at understanding what was going on and getting better. But around the age of 15, I sort of came to meditation and mindfulness and just starting to pay attention to what I was feeling and how I was feeling and why I was feeling it and sort of using that to direct my, my actions and my thoughts and my words a little bit more precisely. So I got lucky in that I got kind of an early start on pumping the brakes on it and getting it under control. Um, it comes back when you do something like living in unfinished basements and kind of eating out of food banks to make ends meet while you're trying to start this thing up. And then also the, the self-doubt creeps in, like the imposter syndrome I deal with to this day, because you really, in, in this space, um, there's a lot of like, when you meet up with musicians who are professionals and particularly in a teaching, um, in a teaching way, you often do this thing where you kind of like give each other your resumes where it's like, oh, well, I did four years of uh, jazz at this, and then I went and I did my master's at Humber for composition. I'm like, yeah, I kind of like played guitar in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> so the imposter syndrome is very much there. Um, but the, I think the dealing with it is positive because I've come to a lot of realizations surrounding how I want my life to be and how I want to run this business as a result of it, right? Yeah. A few of those, I don't, um, I don't have that mentality that a lot of business owners have of like, you got to get up at five in the morning and you got to like hit it and like rise and grind and all of this stuff that you hear all the time. Yeah, the hustle uh, Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> because that's a fantastic term for it. Yeah. Because that's not my reality. Right. If I can be focused and effective in the hours of the day that my brain likes to function, then that's great, you know? Yeah, and I think it's super important to talk about that because when you do have um, a mental health issue or you struggled with any type of um, problem, especially in your brain, like when it comes to pushing and doing that hustle, that game, it's hard and it ends up destroying you as someone who has been through that. As someone who knew that it was a bad idea, even though I continued to hustle in the way that they kind of glorify it these days. And the biggest thing for me was being able to recognize like, okay, this is drastically affecting my business and my well, like my well-being. I need to make a change. And, you know, six months ago or eight months ago, I was like, all right, I'm changing my entire life and I'm moving and I'm doing this and I'm doing that because I was stuck in that like hustle uh, mentality and that hustle almost trap because for me what was happening is I was hustling I was hustling I was hustling and then my anxiety was getting so much worse and because my anxiety was getting so much worse I was making more mistakes and because I was making more mistakes my anxiety was getting worse and it just is like this horrible cyclical thing uh, and we 
don't really, at least the conversations that I've participated in and the ones that I want, like I listen to, we don't talk that much about that. We talk about the hustle. We talk about like the rise and grind and like the four, like all that crap. Um, but we don't talk about like the other side. Like even if you don't have, um, if you're not someone who identifies as like someone with a mental health issue, like you, that can all still happen to you. You can burn out, you can do this. And then it might end up becoming a mental health issue because depression is like it can pop up from anywhere same with anxiety same with like a whole lot of other crap so um it's interesting that you say that also like 15 you were you picked up a mindfulness and meditation before that like whole craze came over like that's crazy like i don't even think i knew what meditation was at 15 other than like you know the the monks in the hills that did it <laughs> yeah i think um i've just always been sort of curious about the way that I interact with what I'm doing and with the world and with people. Um, and I haven't always done a good job of it, but I do try and return to it every so often. So like recently I noticed that I've been like walking very heavily and that's not something that I have done throughout my life. I've always been fairly like light on my feet for being a fairly large guy. Um, and so it's just that, awareness of okay like why is this happening can i direct more of my attention to that how is that mindfulness and awareness going to transfer to the rest of my life and what i'm doing because that that mentality of okay i've got to get up and i've got to work 18 hours a day in order to like get to this place and you know i've it is detrimental absolutely everybody has this sense that they need to be immediately very successful and there's a level of success that they need to get to before they can can consider themselves successful and that's just something that i learned not to subscribe to i measure my success based on like do i have the time that i want to engage in like the other stuff that's good for me so do i have the time to like go and do the garden do i have the time to like cook in the way that i want and like eat in a mindful way where I'm not just like shoveling something into my body because I have 15 minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's the, it's the constant grinding that is a detriment to you or to most people, I would assume, certainly to me. Um, but there's that mentality of, I have to get to this certain level before I can be happy. And then you're, you'll never quite get there. Oh no, you're always chasing it because as you get to that level, your baseline changes, right? Like, so if, if my goal right now is to make, you know, a million dollars, once I get to that million dollars, like it's not going to be, I want to make a million dollars. It's going to make, I want to make $5 million. Or if I want to have, you know, if I only want to work four hours, four days a week. And then once I get there, I'd be like, well, actually I only want to work three days a week. Like it's this, it, it, we don't, we often don't take the time to appreciate where we've arrived um and all the work that we've been through and again i say this as someone who is who has done this i set my goals for five years ago and quickly they've changed and i hit those goals at year three but i was i didn't even take time to appreciate it i didn't take time to you know sit in the gratitude and the happiness and the oh my god amy like you did this and you did it way faster than you thought you did we, we were just constantly and constantly racing and I, I think a lot of us don't understand how much of a toll that really does have on ourselves and on 
um, our, our output too, because like to put it all together is like that sick, that cyclical thing of like, you're overworked, you're not doing as well, you're hard on yourself, like all that stuff. Um, when you burn out and it's going to be so much harder for you to get to those new found levels that you want because you're not taking care of yourself and the, the not joke, but like the common, the common thing is like new level, new problems. But like most of the time, those problems are still like the problems that you're having in these new levels are actually just ones that you somehow broke through the last level with and just never fixed, you know, like you can, you can, um, I'm trying to think of an example of like with myself right now, like for me, um, I had a really big issue with boundaries and I still somehow was able to make my, like my business get to the, the place I wanted it to be at. But like, I didn't fix those boundary issues. Like I was still letting people like kind of boss me around in ways like, you know, at like 8 PM on a Saturday or, you know, at a stupid time in the day when like it, the time was mine and not uh, my clients. So uh, it, it's interesting how that, that works. But Basil, let me ask you, um, do you, are you, so are you still someone like, do you still identify as someone that has depression? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it's something that has never left me. It's something that I'm aware of and that I deal with, but I think that I used to deal with it in a way where where you're kind of letting it happen to you mm-hmm. um and it's it's really easy when you're talking about this type of thing to come off as though like you need to take control and you need to do this and do that and be well and you know that's absolutely not the way that it works you know and it still overtakes me from time to time but i think um particularly for my generation of men, I think my generation of men had kind of a weird time to grow up in. Mm-hmm. It was like my father was very much a product of like all of the weird, terrible mental stuff that was going on for men that his father had in like the early 1900s, Yeah, you know? And like, then he's like getting it from his dad's like 1930s, 1940s perspective maybe not having the ability to kind of slough that off. And Mm -hmm. so like, I also get a bit of that, but now there are, there's the awareness and the resources for me to kind of tackle that on my own. Right. Yeah. Um, I've lost my train of thought here, but (laughs) effectively like, yes, I am. (laughs) I'm constantly dealing with it, but what it is, is you, for me at least start to learn coping mechanisms that you didn't get as a child. You know, you just kind of got exposed to like anger and sadness and overwork. And you, as a, a young man, have to kind of figure out why that's not the way to go about it. And you have to figure out how to get out of that cycle. And I think like a lot of the men in my generation did that very effectively. Obviously, not all of them, and not quite to the extent that any of us would like to see, but it's a lot of the coping mechanisms that I didn't have that I'm now cultivating and able to use to my benefit that sort of keep the depression, not at bay, but certainly more manageable. Yeah. And then I never, when I was younger, dealt with anxiety. It was all depression all the time. It was like, 
that's what it was for me. Now, as I'm getting older, the anxiety is settling in, which is a new thing that I don't know how to deal with. So now I have to kind of not retreat, but like re-enter my personal mental space and look at that in the same way that I was looking at depression when I was in my mid late teens. So it's a very different thing and I'm in a very different place. So now I'm kind of recycling into this and it's a little bit different to address. Yeah, and I, yeah, absolutely. I so my my timeline is very similar. I I didn't realize until I started doing the introspective stuff that like I had anxiety was I when I, when I was a kid, and then I realized like oh yeah, obviously like based on a lot of uh, things, uh, and then I I had the same thing around fourteen, thirteen, fourteen. I had some really scary health things happen for my age. Like like I had hypothyroidism, which is like doesn't really happen in kids. Yeah, figure out why it happened. Like it was like all this stuff. And I sunk into like a pretty deep depression and I dealt with it for a very long time. And, you know, I, I had my like crazy, my crazy shit happen. And then I came back and I like started working on it and like build myself, I build, built myself up enough to be like, okay, this isn't controlling my life anymore. And then like a year or two later, oh, what's this little thing happening? Like this anxiety is peeking <laughs> back through or through for the first time I so I thought. So it's uh it's a whole different ball game because it's very different like for me it stimulates me and then like depression is something i just want to go sleep for forever so it's a very different type of um mental health issue for sure and like at least you know like the coping mechanisms is something because that was something i didn't have either and you're explaining the the generation of men because we're the same age like with the fathers and all that stuff and i have the exact same thing like i'm an only child so it's a little different but like I experienced that, like my father grew up, my grandfather was in the war. He never talked about anything. He never dealt with anything. He never, like, he never did anything. He didn't process anything. Yeah. And my father came in and he had to deal with that. He uh, grew up pretty poor and he was able to uh, transcend that or whatever you want to call it. And um, he worked and that's what he did that to get out of the situation, he just worked and worked and worked. And when he was tired and at the end of the day he just went by himself and he didn't have a coping mechanism he didn't do anything he just stayed there and was like okay this is it and that's how I learned and that's how my coping mechanisms began was I just pretended like it didn't exist and yeah. then obviously it boils to the top and you can't do that anymore um but it's so interesting to kind of really think about that because we don't at least I I don't think we put enough emphasis on the fact that like Unfortunately, and this is no one's fault that, well, society's fault, not specific people, uh, that this is happening. Like, it's so, it's so hard that it's happening to so many people. And like millennials, we get all this shit, but like, really, like, it's hard. We live, we grew up in this stage where the world was given to us, but when it, or we were told the world was given to us, but when it didn't turn out the way that we wanted to, or whatever we weren't given the coping mechanisms or like the like the honesty that it wasn't going to be these peachy king jelly bean awesome like candy color world crap you know so oh i'm getting off track so i'm gonna wrap no, actually <laughs> i think like on that on that point the reason that we we catch a lot of shit in this generation for being like fluffy snowflake like jelly bean people is because we're the first ones who are acknowledging it yeah like it yeah. used to just be like Aunt Hilda lived in the attic and no one really talked about it. And like Uncle George like died cleaning his shotgun. And you know, and now we're seen as being like 
very sensitive and like incapable of dealing with like we're the first generation that is like actually addressing this stuff and that like is dealing with these aspects of life in like a healthy productive way rather than just what I know I learned and I assume you learned given that it sounds like our dads have very similar backgrounds yeah. of just like stuffing it down and like letting it fester and become like this hot rock of nonsense that lives inside you right yeah so I think there is a misunderstanding from older generations about what we're doing surrounding our mental health and our physical capacity and our mental well-being but I'm I'm perfectly happy with you know where we're at as a generation as far as the stage we are in learning to deal with it there's a long way to go but um I don't think we give ourselves enough credit on that front yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely not at, like at all like it's i and thank you for saying that because i am so quick to be like oh it's just a millennial stuff but you're right we are the first we are really the first generation that's saying hey like this is affecting way more people than uh any of you pretended or like let on that it is because it's like what 80 percent of people suffer from anxiety at some point in their life like that's crazy yeah um and obviously it's varying levels and for varying time periods but like even like like if you've had it more than twice like you know like that's no joke like it's terrifying and i think it's our duty as uh just people not even millennials it's just people to start normalizing it and talking about it and being like hey like this is how you manage it because as you like as you said you can't get rid of it uh it's not how it works uh, <laughs> at all but you can manage it and you can manage it for life um but it's not something that you're gonna be able to get rid of but uh basil it's been so nice chatting with you i know you have to go so um i would love it if you would leave the listeners with some wonderful words of wisdom on any topic when it comes to business life mental health or whatever you whatever you like i think the main thing that i personally have been thinking about a lot lately is just cutting yourself some slack um like we were talking about before you you get to this point that you never imagined you would ever get to or maybe you did imagine it but you didn't think it was realistic um and the other day i was looking through my email inbox and it's like payments from students and it's requests to like start new lessons and it's contacts at different corporations where i'm now doing clinics and corporate gigs and stuff like that and planning for gigs that are coming up i looked at it and i said out loud to myself this is what you wanted like in this like defeated tone of like this is what you wanted like this is what you were going for and then i had to kind of realize that if you can step back and you can cut yourself some slack from all of the scheduling and feel like you don't constantly have to be intensifying this area or improving that area and just let yourself kind of live in the space that you've created you can have a lot more gratitude for what's going on and the gratitude can allow you to sort of have an appreciation for your life as it is and things at least for me in that mental space just calm down a little bit and i don't need to answer this email in 10 minutes i can do it by the end of the day i don't need to intensify this area of my business i can see that i'm now saving money in a way that i wasn't and i'm eating better than i wasn't 
And there's a slowing down and a gratitude that needs to happen um, for you to have the space to gain these coping mechanisms to control what's going on in your life. I don't think that we take enough time for that.